What makes Uteva Control Supplements so powerful in the fight to maintain a healthy urinary tract? Each Uteva capsule is made from locally sourced cranberries. We specifically extract the proanthocyanidins, their bioactive component, also known as PAX. High concentration of PAX, exactly 36 milligrams, the exact dosage in each Uteva capsule is clinically proven to help stop bacteria from sticking to the bladder wall and causing an infection. With one Uteva capsule every day, this helps promote the natural flushing of bacteria every time you pee. And just like that, the bacteria is gone. What's amazing about Uteva is that one small Uteva capsule provides the same pack content as about nine regular cranberry pills. Start Uteva today and join over 10,000 other people who are now living UTI-free. I'm Andrea Donsky, founder of NaturallySavvy.com and co-host of our Naturally Savvy podcast. And I am Lisa Davis, MPH health educator, co-host of Naturally Savvy and author of the book, Cleaning and Dirty Sex Memoir Cookbook Healthy Lifestyle Guide. At Naturally Savvy, we are here to help you make healthier lifestyle choices. So we are so honored that you are tuning in to listen to our podcast on a weekly basis. And we are here to engage you, have fun, and help you live your healthiest lifestyle. Now, on to the show. Naturally Savvy Podcast is sponsored by Morphus for Menopause. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. My co-host Andrea is away today. Today we have the wonderful Donna Levy Hoffman. She is a creator of Organalicious. Hello, Donna. Welcome. Hey, Lisa. I love your photos on your site. I love the ah, with the carrots and, and then you got the strawberries and the... You know, I love using humor. I love using fun. I love your energy. So I think it's fantastic. So talk to us about your journey to health. Because I was reading on your wonderful website, Organalicious.ch. You write, I'm happily married, silly, fun-loving, food-obsessed, two-boy-raising, passionate health and lifestyle coach. You talk about your journey with Me So Cute Cooking. And then you're a graduate of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which I've heard is amazing. Uh, but you say that your story will forever start with your grandmother. All right. So let's talk about this. Yeah. Tell us tell us everything. Well, maybe not everything. <laughs> like three hours later. <laughs> Started when I was born. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, my grandmother was such a huge energy force in our household. She was the glue that brought everyone together. And I actually, I was lucky enough to practically grow up at, at grandma's house. So... You know, we were, we, I grew up in Israel. We have a huge family and my, I was the firstborn of two firstborns. So I was just the queen, you know, the little princess that everyone just spoiled to death. And I was at my grandparents' house. I would say a good five out of seven days a week. If it, if it was in the afternoon, if they came and picked me up from school or I slept over or anything like that. And, you know, grandma was every, everything revolved around food at grandma's house. Everything. I mean, you walk in the house, she, ne- she hardly says hi. She just said, did you eat anything like hysterical? And as soon as you, it doesn't matter what you answered, she would drag you to the kitchen table and sit you down in a huge mountain of food. Everything was home cooked. No question about it. Everything was locally sourced, every, you know, by the book. And, um, 
grandma was, you know, she also treated herself with any ache and pain. She treated herself naturally. So she had, for example, um, arthritis. And back in the day, arthritis meant you don't have enough calcium, eat as much dairy products as possible, which nowadays we know is complete nonsense. And so, you know, I remember her sitting there and just eating her cottage cheese and, and whatever, because she felt like she was actually helping her body. Right. And for us, you know, growing up, everything was again, revolving around food and health and everything was connected. And when I grew up and I kind of, you know, she, she fell ill. She, she had um, cancer. She was suffering for four years with lymphoma and she was just really miserable for really just, just really suffering through it. And we, we saw her deteriorate. We saw her become, you know, she was less than 40 kilos when she passed away. She couldn't walk to the toilet. She didn't eat. She didn't want to eat because of the chemo and everything. She didn't have a taste in her mouth. So it felt like all of her like life was taken out of her way before she actually passed away. And to me sitting there as a young adult, you know, thinking, how could that be? How could that be that she was so revolved around health and so revolved around food and, and nutrition and everything like that, that she would actually suffer from that and, and pass away looking like a stick figure. It just didn't make sense in my head. And, you know, while she was sick, I started researching a bit, and but, but it was in the very early ages of, of, you know, Google, Dr. Google and everything like that. And who knows what, what you can trust there anyways. She passed away. She passed away when I was uh, about four months pregnant with my firstborn. And um, shortly after my firstborn or my second, they're 15 months apart. So it's a bit of a blur. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. There's a lot of stories about that, <laughs> but, um, close, close to, you know, after I had the kids, my mom discovered that she has the same cancer and, and another just, you know, to make things oh, interesting. And I was just sitting there and I was after giving birth to my second child, I was 20 kilos overweight. I was suffering from postpartum depression. I was miserable. I was pains from head to toe, you know, it just nothing made sense. And all of a sudden my mom has the same thing that took my grandmother who was like my mentor. And I think that moment kind of clicked for me because I didn't, of course, I didn't want my, to see my mom deteriorate like my grandmother did. And so I wanted to help her as much as I could, but I also didn't want to put my kids in the situation where they see me suffer through the same thing and seeing their grandmother pass away most likely from the same thing. I wanted it to stop. I wanted it to stop somewhere. And my research started uh, very naively, right? I mean, I was just a stay-at-home mom, you know, just, right? I'm doing right. air quotes. Basically, that slowly brought me to kind of uh, investigate more and, and bring out more of the passion that I had for nutrition. I had it kind of, you know, as a baseline for everything. I always, because of grandma, I always knew certain foods were good for you, certain foods maybe not. Um, but I always say this, that if I, you know, out of my whole entire huge family nowadays, if grandma was still alive, she would be the only person listening to me because, you know, families, they don't listen. They don't, they don't. And so I, I always say this, you know, she would have been the only person who would have followed my advice and would have taken it to heart. Um, but, but it, it, it did, it started with her. It started with me not wanting to see anyone suffer like she has she had 
and, and kind of try to help my mom and try to help us avoid any major illnesses or anything like that. You know, it's interesting with the dairy because I'm super anti-dairy and my mother who grew up with a, you know, health nut mom, they thought, you know, cause they said dairy was good. So I remember my mom having toast, whole wheat toast and cottage cheese. And she would take me to the little, you know, family owned health food market every Saturday and everything smelled like cardboard and carob and, there wasn't a big selection. And it's like, oh, we're getting millet. Oh, yay. You know, so she did pretty good. But then she died in her 50s from ovarian cancer. But my grandmother lived to be 97, I believe. Yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it, the way our genetics play out and what happens? How did things go with your mother then? My mother is still alive. She has, you know, oh, the, two, okay. the two types of cancer that she has is, are can only go dormant. They cannot go away and so she does her best i'm doing air quotes again um she does her best um i kind of wish that she lived with me and i would be able to just you know feed her what i think is best um but she is she's strong like bull this woman i mean like she's been she's been working from six in the morning until nine at night throughout all of this it's been over 10 years so she has this, you know, but I still see her ill very often. And within the, the last month, she had a flu and a cold and, you know, like she's been sick two weeks out of the month, um, which is very frequent. She has crazy headaches. I mean, uh, it's a whole story on its own, but she, um, she's pulling through and she, she, um, she does her best, I guess. I mean, we, we you know, it, it, when I started all of this, it was very easy for me to judge, uh, you know, how much people are taking things to heart, how much, how much they're doing. Um, I understand a little bit more now. I'm a little bit older and wiser. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I think there's always that extra mile that you can take when it comes to your own health, but it is all in your own hands. I, we cannot force or make anyone to, to do anything that we want them to do just because we think it's better for them when they just want to live their life. Um, and I think my mom, well, you know, this is, this is a very uh, um, sensitive topic and I'm probably not going to let my mom listen to this, but she, my mom has this uh, issue where she actually forced my grandmother to like drink grass weed and, you know, which is disgusting as a shot and things like that. And um, she felt very bad afterwards for forcing her to do it, thinking that I didn't do anything, but, um, making her suffer more while she was alive. Um, and so I think she has this block of not wanting to do the, those same things that will make her quote unquote, uh, miserable. Um, but, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, the, there's, there's, there's my mom, but there's also my dad who has a really cool story. If I may tell that story, <laughs> this, is, this is great. Um, he did listen to me for a little while. So my dad, um, this was a few years ago, my dad. So just to, of course you can edit it out, but, um, just to, to kind of understand my parents lived in America. I live in Switzerland and we are from Israel. So the rest of the family is in Israel and they constantly used to fly to Israel, visit there, stop over in Switzerland and then fly back home. Um, so one a few years ago he came back from israel he has he had diabetes for 26 years by then high cholesterol for 26 years so literally since i known him he was uh, suffering and he came from israel to me 
after being in, in the hospital for a couple of weeks with a foot, he wounded his foot. And as we know with diabetes, that is risky business. And he was there on a few rounds of antibiotics and he came, the toe was really black and he was putting some creams and stuff like that. And I was like, look, dude, what is wrong with you? I was like, they're going to cut your foot off. Do you really want that? I mean, can you not just <laughs> do something about this? And so he was here for a couple of weeks. I, he, he was the worst in terms of eating vegetables and things like that. So I incorporated him in the kitchen. Um, made him taste things that he eventually liked, uh, which was a pleasure and got him a little bit more into a different diet. So focusing on different things. And he then went home and for, it was a gift from God. Seriously. He, you know, America, he had to have a fridge upstairs. They have a fridge downstairs. The power went out when they were gone and all of the food had to get tossed. And so he said, that was a sign. I tossed everything and I started fresh and he started fresh and he was sticking to what I was telling him and kind of called me every day, every other day, you know, and, um, a month later he went to do a blood test. Just one, one month later, he went to do a blood test with this doctor that has been with him for a good 15 years, I think. And uh, a few weeks later, he got or a couple, few days later, I don't know. He got an email back from her with three sentences in that email, she said, your bad cholesterol is good. Your diabetes is not existing. Keep listening to your daughter. Those were the three sentences that she said. Wow. And with, you know, hundreds, probably thousands of clients that I've had so far, he is the first one that I keep telling people about because he is an elder. He was soon 60 back then. He is the most stubborn human on earth. Biggest baby, seriously. <laughs> And he really took, took it to heart and, and changed things that made a difference. And he was feeling better and he was taking walks all of a sudden. That, this dude was the biggest couch potato ever. He <laughs> was moving. He was like, you know, he was, he felt better and he was so proud. And, you know, those are the little things that I think make such a huge difference in people's lives is, you know, sometimes it doesn't take much. It's just that little wake up call that you need in order to say, well, you know, let's just do this. And when you make the change, you realize that it's not as dramatic as you thought it would be. And that's the best part, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And what was it like for you doing that program? Like I said earlier, I've heard really great things about it. It's awesome. I um, it was the first time I was good at school. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Right? I was just the worst. I was ADD. And I was like, no, it was, uh, it was a great experience. I did, um, I did the initial, um, health, um, uh, health coaching certification and I continued with a gut, gut specialization. I really enjoyed it. And I think the, the, uh, reason that I enjoyed it the most was that it wasn't stuck to one way. They, they talk a lot about bioindividuality there. They talk a lot about how each person will react differently to exactly the same thing, same diet or the same vegetable or the same anything. And that really did open my eyes because of course, before that I knew everything <laughs> and I was walking around saying, you should, you should, you should. And now it's a lot more about listening and understanding uh, what is better for my clients. And that's super important. Oh, that's great. Now, 
we talked about dairy, not we don't like dairy. Now, what about grass-fed meat or organic meat? Where are you on that? That is a really good question because I used to be an almost vegan. Um, and we're big meat eaters at the moment. Um, I believe that you are what you eat eats as well. And so if you're going for meat, you might as well buy less meat, but better quality. Um, better yet, if you know the farmer and can get it from them and, and have a conversation with them and understand how the animal grows, um, which is exactly what we do. So I am not, um, I, I, I do believe that a lot of people need to cut down on the amounts of the meat or at least up the vegetables is what I think. I think everyone needs, you know, there's not one thing that I can say everyone needs to do except for leave out the garbage and put in a lot more veggies in your, in your, you know, meal. Um, but in terms of meat itself, you know, if you're getting good quality meat, then go for it and, and enjoy it. But it doesn't have to be 90% of the plate. You know, I grew up in America. I know that when you order a steak, it's a steak with maybe potato and corn as your vegetables. And that is just insane. And so, you know, if you have the size of the palm of your hand as meat, mix it with a whole lot of vegetables, you know, have some whole grains if you want. But I, to have a whole meal that is just meat, I would say is a little bit wonky. Yeah, I think so too. Now, when people work with you, they obviously come with different backgrounds, different health issues. It's a mix, um, both men and women, although I only kind of target women. A lot of men do come to me, which I'd love. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I love working with men because the ones that are ready to work with me are just, you know, very motivated and very ready. Um, but, uh, but it is a mix. I do have, I, I don't think it's that I have, I think it's that nowadays there is a lot of autoimmune disease. There's a lot of histamine intolerances. There's a lot of, a lot of gut issues and a lot of, uh, problems for obvious reasons. Um, so I do have a mix. You do see a lot of thyroid, unfortunately, with women nowadays. Um, and I do have a good, good group of, of histamine intolerance ladies as well. Um, a lot of people come to me for weight loss or, or weight balance, as I like to say. Um, but you also see people who understand, um, that stress is the issue and, you know, that there, there should be another balance that's a little bit more of a holistic view on what's going on. And so, um, yeah, it is, it, it's a wild mix, I would say. And it's very funny because the universe gives you what's kind of what you're dealing with or what you're more focused on. So, um, which is, which is, which I found very funny because when I found out that I was histamine intolerant, all of a sudden, like three clients came to wow. me and they're like, I have a histamine intolerance. And I was like, oh, now, what does that mean for people who aren't sure? What is a histamine intolerance? A histamine intolerance is basically when our body overreacts to certain things. And so, you know, just like when we have uh, um, a histamine or like um, a reaction to pollen, right? A lot of people suffer from, from, um, oh, what is it called? A seasonal allergies. And allergies things like that. Yes. Um, so it's almost a blown up uh, way where people react to histamines in the food or to foods that can activate the histamine response in your body. Um, tomatoes, spinach, fermented foods, 
um, you know, some people like if they also have SIBO, they would be very sensitive to whole grains. So it kind of throws you off from everything that you've learned that, you know, fermented foods, whole grains, you're like, no, 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 that's not what you should eat. Um, so it is that they are reacting to certain things and it can come about with migraines or with skin rash or with, um, you know, gut issues, bloating, uh, stomach aches, uh, gas, constipation, diarrhea, it could be anything. And, and every single one of my clients shows it in different ways, which is again, really funny. And we're all, uh, sensitive to different things as well. So some people can tolerate certain things and some people can't. And so, you know, I always say your body is your science. Like it's so hard to pinpoint something specifically, but if you take that time and you work with someone who you can trust to, to guide you through it, you're able to, to understand your body a lot more. And it's so much easier. A lot of people look at their body as their enemy, you know, uh, I have this pain and I have that pain. And, and I think that if we understand that if we give the body the right fuel, it will reciprocate. Um, then it just feels, it feels good to feel good. It yeah, really absolutely. Does. Well, I'm going to probably work with you because I have, I just call them food intolerances, but maybe it's a histamine thing because I end up with migraines. Histamine and food re- intolerances, are those interchangeable or not really? So I want to understand this better. No, well, you know, there's a lot of controversy about food sensitivity tests nowadays. Um, right. You know, there are the ones that there's basically two types. Um, one is kind of the the homemade type the home yeah homemade type of uh not homemade but uh the one that you that you test at home um which is really un- not accurate and could actually pick up on foods that you eat often that's what i'm concerned about and not necessarily sensitive to so i you know i personally work with a functional medicine doctor and trust him with my life and my kid's life um and so, you know, I discovered that through him and did that with him. But I also kind of raised an eyebrow when he told me about certain things because I was like, you know, you're either telling me about things that I hardly touch or things that I eat like my life depends on it. And so, you know, and some made sense and some didn't. And then when I discovered the histamine intolerance, that clicked. So some of, some of a lot of that stuff made sense. Um, I wouldn't say it's interchangeable. I would say it is definitely worth testing if you're histamine intolerant because that is a game changer. It was a game changer for me. I discovered that I was histamine intolerant and SIBO. When I get bit by a mosquito, I swell up like crazy. So isn't that a histamine? Is is that an indicator? It might actually also be connected. It might. I'm not actually fully uh, sure about that. Um, What you would, what, what you would, it's very hard to pinpoint it because there are so many things that we could potentially have that have coffee, chocolate, you know, anything fermented, literally anything aged. So, um, pickles, even like, like vinegar pickles. So it doesn't even have to be fermented. All of those things, mustard, <laughs> you know, very simple things that we probably have often not even thinking about it. Um, can can and may uh, bring up a reaction. Are those the main foods for histamine? It's it definitely fermented and aged. Uh, definitely tomatoes, spinach, um, chocolate, coffee. You know those kind of things. Um, those are the main ones. And then there are things that may trigger a histamine response, 
right? So some nuts, for example, are okay, but if they've been sitting for a really long time, you might get a reaction from it. Uh, you might get a response from some nuts and not others, and I might be getting a response from the other ones that you're not. So that's why it's so, so hard to kind of pinpoint. And you can test for that? Yes, you can test for histamine intolerance. And then what I would recommend doing, if you decide to do it on your own, it's easier with someone, honestly, but if you decide to do it on your own, I would say, you know, this is what becomes complicated is that if you look at 10 books and websites and experts and whatever, you will, those lists are not going to be exactly the same. And that's exactly why, because each person is different. And so one person might be, I don't know, looking at certain studies or looking at averages or whatever. And another person is talking out of their own experience. And a third person is going to be looking at other places. It is hard. But what you can do is look at a list of of foods that do have histamine, not that may trigger histamine response, but just have histamine in them and leave those out first and see if there are days where you're kind of trying to keep away from those and maybe uh, you know, some foods that may trigger if you're feeling better. Leftover food. I used to live on leftover food. Food that is cooked for a really long time or cooked or food that has been sitting for a really long time will create a a histamine response. And some people will react. If you make it at lunch and eat it at dinner, they'll already react. Some will react only the next day. Some people will react from meat that has been defrosted in the refrigerator overnight while others won't. With my food reactions, it's usually the next day or a couple days later. Is a histamine reaction immediate or is it like food sensitivity? So it could, um, a lot of people do feel a reaction already within the, the first hour after eating. Some people will get reactions like three days later and that's where it gets really hard to follow up on what was the reaction from. That's why I do you know, food diaries with my clients, but I can look. And when they write today, I had a headache, but the whole day was perfect. And the day before was perfect. But like three days ago was not so perfect. Maybe something was there. Then we know we can, we can look into that. Um, in terms of, you know, again, everything is connected. Hashimoto's is connected. You know, it, it, you'll never see one person that only ha- I mean, like I can bet my right arm, I'm a lefty. I can bet my right <laughs> arm <laughs> that every single person that has a histamine intolerance, for example, you will find another issue there. If it's full-blown SIBO or if it's Hashimoto's or if it's um, mold, uh, uh, you know, like if it's maybe they had uh, a parasite, maybe they had, it could be anything. And that kind of triggered it. And so when you have, for example, for you, right, when you have Hashimoto's, and anyways, there are certain foods that you should probably leave out of your diet. Um, and then you add on the stuff with the with the histamine intolerance. What you're doing there is you're not swearing for life to never have these foods again and sticking to chicken breast and, and cucumber, you know, like a carrot and zucchini your whole life. Uh, but rather, you're saying I am letting my body heal now so that I can reintroduce some of these foods at least within a certain the next you know x amount of time. And so this is what I find kind of relieving when it comes to uh, finding these uh, issues out is that when you have, when, when a doctor tells you, you have Hashimoto's, here's your medicine. Goodbye. Come back to me every, I don't know, three, six months to, to check. 
um, we'll, we might lower the dosage, we might higher the dosage, and that's pretty much it. They usually don't talk to you about nutrition at all. Um, when you deal with it in terms of health and nutrition and lifestyle changes, you can, in fact, be able to reduce or even leave out the medication and feel better and have your body heal. And it is the source is the gut. Your body is reacting to something. Probably there's a leaky gut or, or there's something there. Right. And so the nice thing about it is that, you know, and, and I, and I have to keep saying that to my clients because it is, like you said, it's depressing. Sometimes I sit down at dinner and I'm like, I don't know what to eat. I can't eat anything that you guys are eating. I will eat raw fennel and I don't know, macadamia butter. And sometimes I just do that. <laughs> I know it's so hard because I want to make nice things for my family and they're not going to eat. And sometimes they'll eat what I eat, but you know, it's, I'm not going to make them be deprived as well. Yeah. And they shouldn't be. And that's the thing is that we're depriving our bodies at the moment because we're letting it heal. And sometimes extra fibers or certain things are not going to be good for us. At the same time, when I stopped cooking with onion, which was a huge staple in every single meal in our house, we realized when I kind of reintroduced it in one way or another that most of my family just does not tolerate onions very well. So it helps you discover things as well. And it makes me feel good because that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that in that way, they won't end up where I am because we're doing these kind of, you know, tests and, and discoveries early on with the kids. Um, so yeah, it is, it's something that, you know, you need to be ready to do, but it's, it just feels better. I mean, like when you wake up in the morning and you're not bloated, for example, if you're, if that's one of the symptoms or the rash is starting to disappear, like my, one of my clients had a rash, like all the way from the cheeks down to the neck, down to the chest. And we kept talking. She's like, I don't know what to do. And I looked at her and I was like, where's the rash? She goes, oh yeah, that disappeared. I was like, so we are doing better. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're losing that, you know, we're losing that kind of what is getting better because we're so stuck on the oh my god just give me normal food but when you're feeling better and then you're reintroducing something and the rash comes back or the stomach ache comes back or whatever it may be then you realize why you're doing what you're doing and it is again i i am dreaming of the day that i can eat three eggs a, a week a, a day again because i used to gr i grew up on eating three eggs a day i'm not exaggerating and i am sensitive to eggs now, my story, I'm not going to, if we have time for this, my there is a reason why I'm so, my gut is so sensitive. Oh, no, what? Tell us. Well, basically, and, and this is something really important to understand, is that every single thing in our life really does make a difference. I was born C-section. And for those who don't know, uh, when you're born C-section, so basically when a woman is pregnant, she collects, you know, gut flora, beautiful gut bacteria in the passage where the baby, I don't know, for those who went through a um, birthing class, you know that the baby lifts their, their neck up when they go through and they open their mouth and they gulp down all of this beautiful gut flora, um, which gives them a beautiful chance right off the bat. C-section babies don't have that luxury, especially at the 80s and the 80s when I was born, they didn't do swabs. Nowadays they do swabs. So they will literally take that and, and kind of swab it in the mouth. Um, so. I was born C-section and I was born with a heart murmur, which meant that they gave me antibiotics for every fart all the time until I was 11. I was on, I, I was on, uh, anti uh, oh, I was on, um, antibiotics 
I would say a minimum of six times a year minimum wow holy every crap went, yeah it was insane every time i went for a dentist checkup not even a treatment just a checkup they gave me a full course of antibiotics so my, i had zero chance even with grandma's beautiful food even with you know my mom i know now what i didn't know then was that she was giving us the vegetables that vegetables that she wouldn't even eat uh, but and we ate it happily um she was really trying hard she gave us we didn't know what chocolate was it was carob chocolate for years and years and and then we found out you know my kids are still obsessed with carob chocolate because i grew up on it and i introduced it early on as well so i my gut had zero chance and when i was about 24 um i had like an ulcer attack i knew i had an ulcer from a very young age because i felt it and stuff but it was like blood and everything so i went to the hospital and nowadays for an ulcer for you know bleeding ulcer they give you three sets of antibiotics and i can pinpoint the moment where my immune system just went down the drain and that was then right so all of those years i was okay ish right who knows but it was then that i was just constantly getting uh, stomach bugs constantly getting sick like it was insane the difference and so my gut literally didn't get a chance from the get-go and that is why it is in such a, a, a funky state and of course i wasn't a perfect eater my whole entire life i mean i was a teen i was a young adult i was you know eating whatever i wanted for a really long time and so i wasn't helping myself and when we're having certain things and we're talking about you know gluten for example wheat uh dairy um all of those things that we know are not so great for us nowadays when we're having that, we might not get a reaction or, or not a reaction that we notice or, or any reaction at all um, that we can see, but we are damaging the gut, right? Our intestines are one layer of skin, that is it. And the job of the intestines is to break down the food that we obviously did not chew properly because if you start counting your chews, you'll see that it's just five, um, best case scenario. It's trying to break it down and Gluten doesn't break down. Gluten just tears through the intestines and just lets food roam around, which is why we have autoimmune diseases, which is why we have all of these gut issues. And so the body just notices random things roaming around the body where they shouldn't be, and they're like, attack. So it's attacking itself because of, you know, a leaky gut or or, or digestive problem or anything like that. Yeah. So it I yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I no. I was going to say I don't remember what your question is, but I. <laughs> no, that was great. Well, no, it, it's interesting because so my mother was on antibiotics a lot too, and she ended up with oh my god rashes head to toe. She lost tons of weight. She got to the point where she could literally eat like chicken, broccoli, and brown rice. So of course my fear is becoming her. Um, although I know I'm a lot better off, and and I get disheartened, but I know what you said. Like when that woman's rash went away, you're like there is. I, I want to talk about SIBO also. Wow. So SIBO. SIBO, like I said, is one of those things that I would not wish on my worst enemies. And I have quite a few. Um, <laughs> you know, SIBO, so SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Okay? okay. Now, something to understand about our gut is that we all have, we're more bacteria than, than human cells. And and fungi and everything. So people hear of, you know, candida overgrowth or, or fungal overgrowth. Yeah, my mom had that too. 
So the thing is that all of these bacteria and, and fungi, they actually live in the large intestines. That's their home. That's their space. In the small intestines, there's hardly any. And a, a SIBO or any bacterial overgrowth or fungal overgrowth is when the, uh, the bacteria or the fungal, fungi actually move into the small intestines. So they don't stay in their home. They overtake another space where they should not be. Basically, the thing is that, again, the body is overreacting to things um, and, and what we're eating could, in fact, feed that bacteria or that fungi where it shouldn't actually be. So you need to starve it. A lot of uh, doctors actually give you antibiotics as well for that. Um, and it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard to, it's a, it's a very strict diet, very, very strict. It's, you know, loads of supplements and things like that. And basically what we're trying to do is to just, you know, kill off the, the bacteria. Now, how do you know that you have SIBO? Uh, you know, there, again, there could be a lot of, uh, a lot of signals and signs. Depression is one of them. Um, food baby is one of them. Like I used to have that since I was really young. I'd wake up with a flat belly and I would eat and it doesn't matter what I ate. I would actually look like I'm five months pregnant after I was eating. So with the SIBO, is that more like you'll have a bloating, gas, that kind of reaction? Could be anything. It could be anything. I, when I, I studied about it, I, like I learned about SIBO in IIN. And when my doctor was like, maybe you have SIBO. And I was like, nah. And then I, you know, you know, probably Dr. Hyman, I was watching one of his uh, farm. Uh, yeah, I had him. He's nice. He's incredible. And, uh, and then they mentioned the food baby. And I was like, I have food babies. And, and could I have SIBO? Could that be? And so, and afterwards I linked my depression to it. I linked my, you know, I linked so many things to it that I didn't even realize could be anything related to that. And so it's, again, it's something that I think food baby is one of those very kind of um, strong signs, constipation or diarrhea. So like kind of gut issues in general, uh, but it could also be anything else. Infl uh, chronic inflammation, um, trying to think which other ones, it, you know, it's funny because I would give you the same list that you would probably look up Hashimoto's or you'd probably look up, you know, again, histamine intolerance and all of these things. Um, they all overlap, but it's, it's basically the diet itself is quite restrictive to, in order to kill off the, the, um, the bacterial overgrowth. And um, there's also different types of SIBO. Um, and I'm, I made the worst decision ever to join a few Facebook groups that talk about these. And then you realize that none of them are the same. Like no one person is the same. And so it is hard work to, to figure it out and to, to try to, um, overcome it. And a lot of people, you know, they'll, they'll stick to the diet and then it'll come back. It, it's, it's overwhelming. So it's part of your job as a coach, not only to get them on the right track with food, but just mentally support them. It's more that than anything, I feel. Um, it is very hard. And for some people, you know, they'll make certain changes. It depends. Some people just look to lose a bit of weight or some people look to just gain a little bit more energy. And, and we do manage to, if there aren't other, you know, physiological problems, we do um, manage to get there easier. Um, 
but with others, yes, it's a lot of just mental kind of support and being there for them in between our calls, just on WhatsApp, you know, some, some nights I'm sitting there kind of supporting people and, um, it is. And I think that's, if I could, could, you know, m move back the clock and be able to talk to myself, my older, uh, my younger self, uh, while I was struggling through all that, I would probably have said, get someone to help you. Because it took me years to really kind of understand what was going on, find the right doctors, find the right people to talk to, and, and find my kind of like group of people in general. Um, and it probably didn't, didn't have to take that long. Uh, I mean, I was struggling with depression alone for a good five years before I managed to break out of the, the whole kind of medication world and and towards a more holistic kind of approach. Um, and it didn't have to be that way, I think. Donna, you're going to have to come back. I mean, there's so much more to talk about. I love your personality. I definitely am excited to, to talk with you about working with you and, and what we can do. I, I'm, you know, very... Ah, this is good. This is good stuff. All right. So tell us all the ways we can find you. Definitely. I'm everywhere, it seems. So I'm on <laughs> Facebook. Um, you can find me under Donna Levy Hoffman or um, Organalicious. I'm on Instagram, hashtag Organalicious as well. And I am now a new clubhouse fanatic i love clubhouse all right so that's the end of our show today be sure to follow us on social media thanks for listening as always and you know what we would really love we would love for you to give us a review because Lisa, as you know when we're when you give us a review and if you've got value out of the show today or our podcast in general as we approach our 1000 episode gosh yeah. so exciting 1000 podcasts lisa you and me it's unbelievable. Eight years. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Thousand podcasts. So we'd love you to give us a review, please, because what we're finding out is when you give us a, re a positive review or a review in general, and you give us a five star rating, only if you feel that we deserve it, it really helps the algorithm and it pushes us up and it recommends our podcast to other people where they tune in for their podcast. So we would so, so, so appreciate that if you don't mind taking a minute to help us. And uh, that's the end of our show today. I'm Andrea Donsky, and I'm also at Naturally Savvy. Lisa? And I'm Lisa Davis. You can find me at Lisa Davis MPH. We'll see you next time.